We start tonight with the latest from Tokyo. Taiwanese shuttlers Wang Qiling and Li Yang won against Japan in a thrilling quarterfinals match in men's doubles. The Taiwanese duo overcame the host 21-16, 21-19 to become the first in Taiwan history to reach the Olympic semi-final. In table tennis, it was a big day for team sensation Lin Unru, who played against China's Fan Zhendong in the men's singles semi-final. The 19-year-old Taiwanese is seeded fifth, and he put up a strong showing against the world number one, losing by a score of 3-4. to four. Lin is scheduled to compete for bronze on Friday at 7 p.m. Staying on the Olympics, three track and field athletes set off for Tokyo on Thursday to compete in events that start early next week. This year, Taiwan wants to break its 53-year Olympic medal drought in track and field. Its biggest hopes are pinned in on javelin thrower Zhang Zhaozun, a.k.a. the Golden Arm. Zhang has held the Asia record for, for this event since 2017. The day before he left for the Olympics, Zhang said he wanted the world to know that his arm was made in Taiwan. Javelin throwers Zheng Zhaochun and Huang Shifeng, along with sprinter Chen Kuiru, were among the latest track and field athletes to depart for Tokyo on Thursday. Ye Zhenyan, the head of Taiwan's Athletics Association, was at the airport to send them off. He presented them with a red envelope. Spotting the Olympians waiting at the gate, one ground crew went up to Jun and asked for a commemorative photo. Jun is seen as Taiwan's best hope for ending its 53-year medal drought in track and field. Zheng Zhaochun is among the world's top five. He also reached number one last year. So this year, he has a very good chance of winning a medal. Let us all wait with bated breath. Let us all cheer for him. Here at the Taipei Universiade, this was the astonishing throw that shattered the Asia Javelin record in 2017. With his record of 91.36 meters, Jin is ranked the 13th best javelin thrower of all time. He also would have won gold in the last 10 Olympics. The last time Taiwan medaled in track and field was 1968 in Mexico City, when Ji Zhen won bronze in the women's 80-meter hurdles. 53 years later, Taiwan's biggest hopes are pinned on Zhen's right arm. After missing the last two Olympics due to injuries, the 27-year-old is heading to the biggest stage in global sports for the first time. His ticket to Tokyo was hard-earned. On the day before his departure, he gave a social media shout-out to his loved ones. His post read, I'm bringing with me the blessings of my wife, my baby, my family, my friends, and all of you. Thank you for standing behind me like a rock. Let's all head to the Olympics together. I will let the world know that my arm is made in Taiwan. <laughs> Over a video call, Jun spoke to his wife and young child before his flight. He and his teammates are heading to the games with an eye on making history. We turn now to COVID-19. Taiwan announced 16 local COVID cases, two imported cases and zero deaths on Thursday. Also on Thursday, some local governments said they have not received enough vaccines from the Central Epidemic Command Center. Taipei City says its supply will run out after August 4th. 
New Taipei, Miaoli and Yunlin say that due to a shortage, they will be suspending vaccination clinics for four or five days starting this weekend. In response, the CECC said that some local governments have been inoculating some groups, such as teachers and bus drivers, without authorization. It said that it was allocating enough doses to cover groups that are approved for vaccination. Another round of vaccine administration starts tomorrow, with 1.03 million people having booked a shot. But ahead of the new rollout, local governments are saying they don't have enough vaccines. Some say they'll have to put their vaccination drives on hold. I have told the central government that we don't have any vaccines to administer after August 4th. If we don't get more vaccines in time, I'm afraid our citizens will have to make do with an apology. Several local governments have already called off some vaccination appointments. New Taipei, Miaoli and Yunlin plan to halt vaccination for four to five days starting this weekend. Deliver the vaccines we need to fill this gap. We're not asking to have more than others, but we at least want fair treatment. The number of people booking vaccine appointments is much higher than the amount of vaccines we'll have available for that time slot. It pains us to have to make this decision. It's a chorus of protests from local governments short on vaccines, but the CECC said some local governments have been jumping the gun, vaccinating bus drivers and teachers too soon. The CECC said that doses are allocated based on the number of people approved for a vaccine and that local governments should vaccinate according to the protocol. It also said it will stop releasing information on how many vaccines are left in each administrative area. Because when this information is publicly available, some people will see a big number and say, this cities and counties are slower. They'll see a small number and say, these cities and counties are too fast. There's great anxiety over implementing this vaccine campaign properly. Local governments are feeling a sense of urgency, and the people are too. A new round of vaccine bookings will start soon, and eligibility criteria will be announced next Monday. The number of people who can book will depend on the overall vaccine supply. Officials say that in addition to AstraZeneca, they may release a small supply of Moderna. People in Taiwan without national health insurance cards can now sign up for COVID vaccines. This policy applies to three groups of people, foreign nationals residing legally in Taiwan, Hong Kong and Macau passport holders, and ROC nationals without household registration in Taiwan. Health Minister Chen Suzong announced the details on Thursday. People residing in Taiwan legally can register on the vaccine platform. One group is foreign nationals who will be able to register with a uniform ID number and passport number on their ARC or visitor visas. The second group is PRC nationals and people from Hong Kong and Macau. They'll be able to use their uniform ID number with their exit and entry permit. The third group is Taiwan nationals without household registration in Taiwan. They can use the uniform ID and the number on their exit and entry permit, or the uniform ID number with the number on their entry permit. All these groups will be able to register in the vaccination system just like Taiwan nationals. We will look at our vaccine stocks and at our overall vaccination plan. We'll need to see whether the target groups want vaccines, because when it comes to these groups, it's hard to know whether they've been vaccinated abroad. So we'll open up registration and see how much demand there is. 
Prior to this point, people without NHI cars had been left out of the vaccination program. Another group that's had problems signing up for a vaccine is older adults who have reported issues using the online appointment system. The health minister said Thursday that people having trouble using the system can get help from borough wardens and their local government. They should also try using the sign-up interface at convenience stores and pharmacies, he said. So far, 68% of people aged 75 and up have received at least one vaccine dose. In May, an outbreak of COVID among staff and patients at Far Eastern Memorial Hospital made headlines across Taiwan. Among the nine cases in the cluster was a nurse who gave FTV an exclusive interview. She looks back on her experience with the virus and shares how it changed the way she works with patients. She says she hopes that COVID diagnoses won't become barriers between friends and neighbours. The head nurse informed me that I had tested positive. I felt a whole mix of emotions. I can't say it was fear exactly. I just felt blank. Since the hospital emerged from its outbreak of COVID, this is the first time an infected nurse has spoken to the public on a live stream, flanked by her colleagues. I treated the isolation period as a time to give myself a good break and to rebalance myself physically and emotionally before going back to work. Once she was out of isolation, she was straight back on the front line. At times, Far Eastern Memorial Hospital has treated up to 9% of all Taiwan's COVID patients and up to 11% of the country's COVID intensive care patients. Clusters of COVID cases also broke out at Taoyuan General Hospital and the Taoyuan Armed Forces General Hospital, but no medical workers have yet lost their lives to COVID. It felt like a pretty serious cold with coughing and other symptoms. I didn't get to the point of struggling for breath and my blood oxygen levels were normal. There are lots of things that we can't avoid and can't foresee. And if we run into them, we just have to face them. This nurse was confirmed COVID positive on May 18th and was out of the hospital by June. She's now been back at work over a month. She thanked family and colleagues for their support and encouraged other people who have had COVID not to feel ashamed of their status. I do feel a bit worried about being stigmatized because sometimes I feel afraid that friends or neighbors are fearful when they see us. I think gradually over time it will get better. There are many patients, actually, whose spirits get very low in isolation, I can see. So sometimes I slow down and chat a while with them about my own experience getting COVID and we share our feelings. I ask them not to worry too much and tell them I came out of it fit and healthy. Nobody would choose to catch COVID, but this nurse willingly put herself at risk. Thankfully, her case was mild. Now she's continuing to serve others suffering the same illness and sharing her story to demystify the experience. Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun met with Japan and U.S. congressmen on Thursday at a virtual forum on regional strategy hosted by a Japanese parliamentary group. During the event, Speaker Yo urged the world's democratic nations to create a viable deterrent to Chinese aggression by threatening to formally recognize Taiwan if China's PLA attacks. The USS Benfold destroyer carried out a routine transit of the Taiwan Strait on Wednesday. 
It was the seventh such passage by a U.S. warship since the start of the Biden administration, a sign of Washington's commitment to regional stability. That same day, the U.S. Senate Committee on Foreign Relations introduced a bill calling on the Secretary of State to help Taiwan regain observer status in the World Health Assembly. On Thursday, in another move toward multilateral cooperation, Japan, Taiwan and the U.S. discussed regional strategy in an online forum hosted by a Japanese parliamentarian association. Among the participants was former Japanese Prime Minister Abe. They have increased. 42 times of their military expense, so South China Sea and East China Sea, we are seeing this change of the current situation. So we are very worried about that. So what's happened in Hong Kong should never happen in Taiwan. Many in Japan and Taiwan recognize early the malign intentions and the growing threats posed by the Chinese Communist Party. The rest of the world now understands that Beijing aims not merely to achieve preeminence within the established regional order, but to fundamentally revise it. Placing the People's Republic of China at the center and serving Beijing's authoritarian and hegemonic ambitions. U.S. and Japan representatives said they're on guard against Chinese expansionism. Legislator Speaker Yo, who represented Taiwan at the forum, asked the two countries to clearly identify what they'll do if China attacks Taiwan. Ever since ancient times, China has seen itself as the celestial empire or center of the world. We asked that the U.S. and Japan invite all democratic nations in the Indo-Pacific region to warn the CCP that if any significant incident occurs in the Taiwan Strait, they will immediately formally recognize Taiwan and thus deter the CCP from unilaterally changing the status quo through military action. In the face of an increasingly assertive China, Taiwan, the US and Japan are only growing closer. Oil refiner Formosa Plastics Corporation gave an upbeat forecast at its annual shareholder meeting on Thursday. Chairman Jason Lin said that earnings per share set a company record of 6.7 NT in the first half of 2021. He said fourth quarter profit is on track to be even higher, with EPS to surpass 10 NT for the full year. Vaccine rollouts in the first half of the year have supported a strong rebound in the global economy. In addition, the closure of petrochemical plants in Texas due to a snowstorm and shipping shortages led to imbalances to regional supply and demand in the global petrochemical industry. As a result, prices have risen sharply. There remain many uncertainties for the global market in the second half of the year. They include the emergence of new coronavirus variants, progress in U.S.-China trade negotiations, concerns over inflation, and questions over which countries will reduce quantitative easing and to what extent. Despite all of that, this year we're aiming for an EPS of more than 10 NT. The company said it's planning about 125.2 billion Taiwan dollars worth of expansion projects worldwide, including the Chinese city of Ningbo and the U.S. state of Texas. It also announced that it will stop producing single-use plastics by 2025 and will work with disposable diaper firms to promote recycling. It aims to reduce its carbon emissions by 10% compared to 2018.
Turtle Island, which is located off the coast of Elan County, reopened to tourists on Thursday after a three-month COVID closure. Public health precautions are in place on the ferries and visitors are capped at 1,800 people a day. On the first day of the island's reopening, only a few dozen people signed up for the first ferry out, but they were joined by nearly 300 dolphins. Breaking the surface of the blue ocean, dolphins sleep and cavort, some chasing the boat and others swimming under it. Passengers lean on the railings as they ride the wind and the waves, shouting in glee. Tourists on the dock hold out their hands for a spray of disinfectant, a requisite before they board. Three months after its closure due to COVID, Turtle Island has reopened once more, with capacity for 1,800 people a day. Crowd controls are in place, with no more than 450 people allowed on the island in any single time period. Face masks and social distancing are mandatory throughout the trip. On Thursday, the first day of the reopening, only 100 people signed up for the maiden ferry. But nearly 300 dolphins appeared along the way, giving the passengers a delightful surprise. I'm very happy. We saw a lot of dolphins. We got to see that. We got lucky. Was the landscape affected by the typhoon? There was a lot of driftwood and garbage on the beach. Typhoon Infa didn't make a direct hit, but we did get some storm damage. There was trash and driftwood. We've cleaned a lot of it up already. We want tourists to be very happy here and to enjoy our clean environment. In the wake of Typhoon Infa, parts of Turtle Island's coast are still strewn with detritus. The administrator of the National Scenic Area says that cleanup is underway to give tourists a pleasant stay on Turtle Island. The price of pork is at an all-time high. Butchers and consumers alike are struggling to deal with the soaring costs. The previous record price for live pig was just over 85 NT a kilogram. Now some pigs are selling for 89 per kilogram. Butchers have resorted to giving away free offal cuts along with the prime cuts of pork. Free offal with your pork. Do you want pig liver or intestines? Butchers are taking a leaf out of grocer's books. At the veg stall, you get free onions with your greens, and now your pork comes with freebies too. Pork was rather expensive last week. Greens too, so I won't buy any today. Sometimes I buy chicken as well as pork. But I won't buy as much. No, not much. Since the Dragon Boat Festival, pork prices have been eye-watering and consumers have noticed. The price of live pigs has gone up to between 86 and 89 NT per kilogram, much more than the previous all-time record of 85.3 NT. The price of pork is at an all-time high. Demand for pork will also be very high at Ghost Festival. I'd like to see the government prepare in advance for that so that pork prices don't create dissatisfaction among the public. Awful cuts are often sold to noodle stalls or other snack vendors. Now that the pandemic has shut down many snack stalls, that awful's going to waste and disposing of it is extra work. For butcher stalls, giving it to customers is an obvious solution, especially if it encourages sales. 
Ghost Festival is coming up soon, and Port could yet soar even higher. New Taipei Fire Department is at it again. The fire professionals have released photos and video of themselves trying out Olympic sports. They demonstrate how fire equipment can be used to mimic weightlifting, artistic gymnastics and even swimming events. Although they humbly admit they're not quite at pro level, from appearances alone, they could have fooled us. Shirt off. Flotation aid on. Ready, set, go. This firefighter shows off a swimmer's starting pose to celebrate the Tokyo Olympics. Alongside a judo headlock and an artistic gymnastics display, New Taipei Fire Department could organize entire Olympics Games. This team member's steady aerial gymnastics reveal his incredible strength. When we carry out rescue missions high in the sky or on more precipitous terrains, then we use ropes, and often that means setting up two ropes to support one another. And that's how ordinary fire department tools become Olympic props. They might not be world-class athletes, but these firefighters develop amazing physical capacities while in the line of duty. They train very regularly, too, and they've got the technique down. And there's another prop that comes in handy. We often use this device in fire rescues. Visibility is very low in a fire situation. You can't see anything with a naked eye. So we use this thermographic camera to search for the flames. Hold the camera up and close one eye, and the firefighter could be a competitive shooter. This extension ladder comes in handy too. Weighing in at 21 kilograms, it's perfect for lifting over the head in a weightlifting final. The ladder is normally placed on the fire truck roof, so when we make a rescue using the ladder, we need to use weightlifting or core strength. We want to cheer on the Taiwan Olympic team, and we also thought that, although we firefighters are not in the same profession as athletes, we all have to develop a fit and strong physique. New Taipei is brimming with amateur athletes with oodles of talent. If you're disappointed about not seeing the games in person, there's a silver lining. You never know which athletic neighbor might soon be lifting ladders on a street near you.